being pro-life as an atheist, it's just lacking. It, it, it's just lacking. Why do people have inherent value? Why is it wrong to kill? Why is it wrong to do anything? Where, where does right and wrong come from? Welcome to the John Henry Weston Show. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to stick around for this one. We have with us someone who's actually quite famous. Her name is Caitlin Bennett. Many of you know her as a very outspoken conservative activist who really took the stage by storm. We're going to learn, though, about her conversion to the Catholic faith, which I think came as a shock to some. So stay tuned. Caitlin Bennett, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Caitlin, uh, while many, many know a lot about you, about your show, and uh, about what you do, tell for those, for those who don't know, please tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, really what brought you to the public stage. I am basically just a conservative YouTuber. I don't like to call myself an influencer or anything like that. Um, I'm just a YouTuber and I go out there and I go into the lion's den where I'm not welcome, which is usually college campuses, uh, liberal rallies and uh, pro-choice rallies uh, and basically just confront them about the things that they believe in, uh, the things that they push, and why are they lying to tons of people about their propaganda. Um, And what kind of got me into the spotlight was gun rights activism on my college campus, Kent State University in Kent, Ohio. I took a picture with an AR-10 on my campus to protest gun laws there, and that kind of just opened the door for my platform, which I'm so grateful for. How many fans or subscribers on YouTube do you have? On YouTube, I think we have a little over 600,000. On Facebook, I almost had a million. <laughs> we can get in that, into that later, but that's uh, Twitter. I don't know. I don't really use Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So a massive, massive following. And just recently, not too long ago now, you sort of came out, if you will, uh, as a Catholic. A very beautiful video you put out explaining a bit your faith. wanted to delve more into that because that's a radical move. I'm sure it, it shocked some of your fans. Um, why don't you start telling us a little bit about your background because you came from atheism and how you got there in the first place. So in my video, I kind of go into just dipping my toes into the water, explaining how I arrived at atheism. I would say a lot of it has to do with being very confused and also being very scared. I was very, very scared at what I heard about religion. I was very scared about what I heard if you did something wrong. I also had a lot of influences from adults in my life that also told me that not everything in the Bible is true and you don't need to go to church and, you know, church is just for money. So All of those things coming down on a 10 to 12 year old, you just kind of start to dismiss it all. And Christ and God and religion and church was never the focus of anything, any part of my life growing up and not blaming my parents too much. (laughs) I love them very much because I wouldn't be who I am without them. Um, That's one thing that I think 
made me who I was and really led me down the path of atheism, I ended up learning that what I believe in and what I know is right and wrong and what I can come to my senses about with just common sense and using my my brain, it didn't end up making a lot of sense in the long run. And I really rejected and I dismissed that conversation that I would have with myself every night when I was lying awake, scared of dying. Um, I was just I was just so overwhelmed with this feeling of why am I here? What happens when I die? If I'm wrong, what's going to happen? And furthermore, not even just for my sake and my salvation, I was really worried about what it meant for my family and what it meant for my friends. And it just scared me. It scared me a lot. So I started asking questions and that, I guess that's, that's a little bit of the background. I just started asking questions. You lived your life for a long time as an atheist. You, you came to some kind of peace that way, I presume, what unsettled you uh, more recently to make you consider uh, the faith? Or maybe it wasn't unsettling. Maybe it was some kind of assurance or what? My husband has always been a very devout Catholic. And before we got married, he decided, let's have a second wedding in the church so that he can Um, do the sacrament of holy matrimony. And I was like, oh, whatever, you know, I'll do it for you. It's fine or whatever. And it it was just, it was, it was a beautiful experience. It was very touching and seeing how much it meant to him really made me wonder like, what is it about all of this? What is it about the church and uh, Catholicism and Christianity in general that draws him so far to where he wanted to have a whole nother second wedding just for this sacrament. What is a sacrament? What does this mean? I would think, I would say my turning point in all of this was when I was at a college campus, Ohio University in um, Athens, Ohio, and I was being attacked by a mob of four to 500 students. And one, one person, I can credit him to making me just kind of flip a switch. He was badgering me. He was following me. I had hot, I had burns on my skin because I was being burned with hot coffee that was being dumped on me. And he goes, you Christians, you know, you told somebody that he was going to hell because he's gay. You, you tell people they're going to hell. I turn around and I said, I'm an atheist. I've never said that. And his eyes just lit up with a sparkle. And they were like, you you're an atheist I had I had no clue I'm so sorry oh I wouldn't have treated you like this and I'm sitting here thinking this cannot be the group that I fit in with I can I cannot align with somebody who whose eyes sparkle at the news that I am like them in that certain way and I was like this cannot be right I can I cannot be in this same mentality of this guy who is chasing me a woman down the parking lot of being while being mobbed and out of campus. I can't fit in here. This can't be right. So I must be the wrong person here. I I must be in the wrong here. Um, The second moment would probably be learning about the seven deadly sins and learning that pride was the worst one, you know, the, the most deadly of the seven deadly sins, as we would say, and realizing that, um, we have a whole month dedicated to that, and there is no coincidences with the amount of perversion and just disgustingness that goes on within that entire movement. 
and the assaults that I've had during Pride Month at uh, Pride Parades. And it just, all of it started making, connecting dots. And uh, that's when I started asking more questions and just being mind blown at the truth. You know, a lot of people have come to faith after seeing evil. And uh, when you see it, and then it's sort of related to yourself, uh, that becomes very unsettling indeed. When you um, went toward the faith, there's often something that draws you in. Obviously, uh, some of the people I know who were happily atheist before uh, believe themselves to be pretty darn good. And uh, just when they saw evil in the faith, realized, oh my gosh, there's a devil, there must be a God. And then had that quest for uh, learning of the faith. Did you get that hunger for learning about the faith as well? I did. I did. I, I got it from watching, like I said, my husband, I got it from learning and understanding why all of these terrible things were happening in our country and that it can't just be because people just decided one day to, you know, do all the push these things on our children and try to sexualize our children and try to lock us in our homes and all of these other crazy, crazy, crazy things. There had to be a reason why this was happening. And then, like I said, I connected the dots and um, asking about why these dots would be connected ends up, you end up just wanting to learn more about it in general, which led to the discovering more about Catholicism and Christianity and the church and the good aspects of the faith. I want to ask why Catholicism? Because Christianity has its own, um, you know, moral that's very similar, but there are very, very many, especially in the United States, who would say, oh, why did you do that? Why did you choose the Catholic faith? Um, so what led you there? Other than your husband, I know Justin's a great guy, but uh, I, if you would explain that. Yeah, so that was going to be probably the number one influence was I married him because I trust him and I married him because I love him and I, I trust that he would not lead me down a path that was bad for me. If you are marrying someone and you don't trust them to lead you uh, as a woman, if you're a woman and you're marrying a man and you don't trust him to lead you uh, and in different aspects of life, then probably shouldn't marry him. So when he was asking me to go down this journey and he was leading me here, I just... I knew it was right because I trusted him. But more than anything, I would say it's learning the history of the Catholic Church, knowing it started with Jesus Christ himself. And there is an answer for almost any question you have that has either been debated and has been written about. There have been councils about it and meetings among the church fathers and all kinds of people that have answered very, very deep and meaningful questions to where we can trust that the answers the Catholic Church gives us are true and they're meaningful and they mean something. And it's not just read the Bible for yourself, come to your own conclusion. I really, really love that the Catholic Church has a history of just being truthful, being honest, and just getting into these dirty details to figure out these questions for us, because it takes an awful lot of weight off of my shoulders to open this massive book that was not originally written in the English language to understand what it's supposed to mean for me. And I don't think it's very settling knowing that there are there's millions billions of people out there that can read the same book 
and come to a different interpretation. And furthermore, I believe it is the only church, and I don't like saying Catholicism is a denomination because it's not. It's, it's the one true church, so it's not like Presbyterian or Baptist or anything. It is the only church and the only group of people who give, I would say, the honor to Mary that she deserves. I see a lot of hatred for our mother um, among Protestants, especially in my comment section, and I don't understand where it comes from because how the Catholic Church honors her is so beautiful. And as someone who is an, is expecting, who is a mother now, I, I love the grace and I, I love I love the love that the church has for Mary. It's very, very touching to me as someone who is currently pregnant. So that's in a gist how I ended up to where I am. I also I and I didn't just go along with my husband and say, Oh, you know, thanks for all the answers, I'll just go along with you. I talked to so many different people. I talked to people who weren't even Christians, and I asked them all the same exact questions. The only people who came back to me with a fulfilled answer and an answer that made sense and had proof and backing and, like I said, documents with it were my Catholic friends. They, 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 they were very confident in their answers because these questions have already been answered for them. It's not something they made up. It's something that they've gotten from people far more knowledgeable than themselves. The scriptures themselves in in First Saint Peter talk about Paul. Uh, they're describing Saint Peter's actually describing Paul's writings and say he says that many of Paul's writings are are things that people interpret to their own destruction, which is a very instructive uh, little passage in the scriptures themselves. So tell us about some of these questions that you had personally, questions that were bothering you that you found a satisfactory answer for. If, if you're able to share one of those. I would say a lot of them had to do with the Bible itself. And one of the most revealing things I learned was that we aren't meant to take the Bible 100% literally. There could be, um, you know, stories involved. There could be different types of uh, language used to get the point across to people. And I'm like, well, there's no way that a snake could talk to um, Eve and do all this stuff. And Justin's like, well, we don't know if it's actually a snake. And I'm like, so you're telling me not everything has to be the way that it's drawn up in pictures and given to us as kids and everything. That was very, that was very defining where the Bible came from. That was one of the first questions I had. How do we know that this is something that we can trust? Where did it come from? And learning that the Catholic Church compiled the Bible and then Protestants later took parts out and mixed up context. Uh, that was an eye opener for me. And asking my friends, like, why, how can you, you know, they, they hate the Catholic Church. There are people who hate the Catholic Church, as I'm sure you know. Answering, to, listening to their answers, it, it wasn't good enough for me. It just wasn't good enough about why they take the book that the Catholic Church compiled and, and mess with it and then say that the Catholic Church has been wrong all along. That was a big one. Um, and I would say another good question is that I asked was, Basically, the concept of love and what love means and knowing that God is love and that I'm getting emotional. <laughs> 
and and knowing that um i would say being pregnant and trying for a baby and going through this experience was really touching because learning how god has formed men and women to be together through love and then Everything that we do is for the purpose of showing God's love. And we show God's love through a baby and through a marriage and a family and everything like that. That was just so important to me. And I would notice that my Protestant friends didn't have that same aspect of what love means. And they didn't have that same aspect of what it meant to have a family and what it meant to procreate children, you know, and make children and everything. So I found that their ideologies, their theologies were just lacking and it was kind of upsetting because the beauty of the Catholic Church is that it teaches so much about God's love and how it's how it's shown to us in very real things and one of them is a baby and that just real that meant so much to me right now as we are uh, just having celebrated Christmas Catholics go on with the celebration of Christmas not only even for the first eight days but also into the whole Christmas season whereas everybody takes their lights down we're still putting them up and keeping them up um, well into the month of January um, as your first of all your, your congratulations you're, you're expecting when when are you due are you due anytime soon it's in the springtime oh, okay beautiful beautiful well I think there's going to be a lot of people praying for you for uh, for your baby and that things go well um Tell us, if you will, your convictions around what you do, um, your, your conservative activist, if you will. Has your Catholic faith influenced that at all? Do you find yourself taking a, a bit of a different take uh, on things from when you were an atheist before? I would say yes, I, I have. One of them is how angry I, al- I always was at the people who would— um, treat me poorly in public. It made me also lash out back at them. It also made me just really bitter and resentment towards this entire group of people just because they had a political leaning. And I I, I hated them. I, I hated them for what they would tell. I hated them for the policies. I hated them for what they would say about me and, and how they would treat me and my family and everything like that. And now I just step back and I can say, you are hurt you are burdened by some type of um, evilness surrounding you. And it's not me that you're mad at. You need, you need grace. You need God. You need to seek out what's hurting you and why you're hurting me. It's allowed me to calm down, not have such a hate-filled heart. And it's allowed me to just accept circumstances a lot. It's not influenced any of my convictions, I would say. It's just changed how I react to the people who don't share them with me. It's made me a lot more pro-life. Not that I wasn't pro-life before, but now it just has a whole new meaning to the evils of abortion and what's going on in our country. And in my video that I released, I explained that being pro-life as an atheist it's just lacking. It, it, it's just lacking. Why do people have inherent value? Why is it wrong to kill? Why is it wrong to do anything? Where, where does right and wrong come from? So getting it to a deeper understanding on a different level of those questions has made me stronger in my convictions. It's just made me accept the people who don't agree with me so much. One of the neat things about your video is your your video where you come out as a Catholic and reveal your faith is your evident love for Our Lady. How did you get there specifically on that question? And uh, what does Our Lady mean to you? 
I would say a lot of it has to do about where I came, how I got to this point is seeing how much people dragged her, how, how much people lied about her, and how many people just reacted so negatively to images of her, to quotes from her. And I just started to wonder why, why is, is, is the mother of our Lord so disregarded and even hated and called an incubator and called a vessel to so many non-Catholics, especially in America. I don't know what it is about this country, but this country really rejects Mary or the idea that she, she is important. So when I started trying to understand where they would come from from this, it, it, it didn't make sense. None of it made sense. We know that in their Bibles, they kind of take change the context and call her a favored one. And this is something else about the Catholic Church that I, I really, really love. We know that, that that quote is actually not favored one. It's full of grace. And in the original language that that was written in, that means without sin. That means blessed. That means perfect. And knowing that the church comes from a place where we study the original context, the languages, and the customs that happened during Jesus's time period, we have a full understanding of what they mean. We don't have to guess, and we don't have to change words to get to that point. Um, I would go back to just saying my pregnancy has really related me and um, drawn me to her about what it means to be a good mother, what it means to be a good woman, what it means to just love and be accepting and just let God's will work through you and accepting it and not trying to fight it so much. So I just, I just love it. I, I really, I really just love it. It's in the scriptures that we hear from St. Elizabeth who um, said when Our Lady came to her as her younger cousin, who's only just a young girl, and Elizabeth is already an older lady who was owed in that time massive respect by this young cousin of hers. And yet she exclaims when she sees Mary, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That gives me goosebumps. And it's so funny you bring that up because I was just asking Justin last night, why, how do people read that? You know, the solo scripture of people, how do people read that? And Elizabeth didn't claim, oh, my Lord came to me. She said, the mother of my Lord came to me. Who am I that you should come to me? She was talking about Mary. And Mary's a very important person because she was the first Christian. She's the first person to say yes to Christ. And I also have a wonderful priest. And I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to have him in my life and in my family's life that really just does an awesome job of paying honor to her. He explains it so much better than I ever could. He's like a, he's like Google. <laughs> he's like Google for Catholics. But um, the way that he talks about her too, seeing a priest talk about her in the way he does is something very, that's very touching as well. Well, Caitlin, any other words of encouragement or advice for any of your fans that might be seeing this interview? My fans who might be seeing this interview, open your mind a little bit to perhaps maybe I'm not, um, I'm not I don't worship statues. <laughs> I don't worship Mary. Uh, we don't, so we, we're not doing witchcraft in the church. I promise you there, there's none going on there. It, it just makes me sad that there's so much, there's so much more to offer my fans who don't so much agree with the Catholicism part. 
um, I would just just keep an open mind and please continue to pray for me. And while you can be angry with my conversion to Catholicism, I know it comes from a place of concern and caring, and I appreciate everybody who's concerned for me. And I just ask that everybody continue to pray for me, that I end up on the right path and I, I go down the right path and I end up where I'm supposed to be. And that's it. I guess please just continue to pray for me. That's all I can ask. That's beautiful, Caitlin. The teaching of the church is very clear that compared to Jesus Christ himself, Our Lady is nothing, not even a grain of sand in, in the greatest work on Our Lady that the church has. That's how St. Louis de Montfort puts it. And uh, you know what else is true is that no one could love Our Lady more than her son Jesus did. Thank you so much for being with us, Caitlin. God bless you, and we wish you all the best for uh, your baby that you're carrying now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time on The John Henry Weston Show. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.